Welcome to the National Democratic Institute's Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. In these candid conversations recorded from home, politically active women from around the globe interview each other about the male-dominated world of politics. They're the best examples of why we need to move faster to reach political parity between men and women before the middle of the next century and change the face of politics. After a powerful conversation with climate activist Vanessa Nakate, former president of Chile and UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, now interviews Migat Dodd, executive director of the Digital Rights Foundation in Pakistan, in this third episode of Changing the Face of Politics. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Changing the Face of uh, Politics podcast uh, series. My name is Michelle Bachelet. I'm the UN High Commissioner of Human Rights and former president. And my guest is Nika Dad, there is the executive director of the Digital Rights Foundation working on civil liberties online on Pakistan, but also globally. Uh, she's one of the pioneer women's rights activists, especially in the context of uh, defining the cyberspace narrative from a feminist perspective. And Nikat has also been at the forefront of the young feminist movement in the country. She organized it with others a great uh, march in in, 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 in March this year for women's rights. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this conversation because I think she's a young leader, she's a young global leader recognized by the World Economic Forum. And, uh, and, and I think that's great, it's fantastic to meet women as you, Nikat, young women, enthusiastic, you're a lawyer as well. And for me as a High Commissioner of Human Rights, this is also very important because we are also working on frontier issues like technology, artificial intelligence, and digital uh, digital space and human rights. I'm really happy to have this opportunity. We hope we have a great conversation and very nice to meet you online. Thank you so much, Madam High Commissioner. It is a pleasure to be part of this amazing podcast series. So let's start um, discussing some issues. This year, we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Conference and Platform for Action. What do you think has changed for women in political leadership and decision-making in the last 25 years? And what has stubbornly stayed the same? With every few years, we see the arrival of a new generation of politicians. And uh, sometimes we see a younger lot of politicians come in. Uh, each generation represents a new way of thinking and a new outlook, uh, which is always exciting. Uh, worldwide, we have seen this new generation come in and it constitutes more women than before. Of course, we have a long way to go before we can say women are equal in number to men in politics, but at least it is trending upwards. Uh, with this inflow, we see an overall shift in societies, a shift towards uh, accepting female politicians social media also helps to promote them and their causes. Um, we see this with how the world sees New Zealand's uh, prime minister, for instance. instance. Um, the generation which is coming up also shows huge promise. The new kids are more aware and vocal. And if uh, uh, Malala Yousafzai is just someone like it's one of the examples, uh, then we see we can see Generation Z woman really making an impact. Uh, 
sadly with this progress comes the patriarchal structures that still stand in the way of women and their participation in politics especially uh, when it comes to global south Al- although we see you know the patriarchal structures stand in the way of women politicians around the world but there there is more impact of these structures when it comes to global south and developing countries um, initially men would physically to stop women but now they troll them endlessly online um, according to our study at, at the digital rights foundation on female participation in pakistan's last general elections in 2018 um on social media we found that women politicians were more likely to receive unwelcomed and abusive comments than their male counterparts we studied uh, 43372 comments uh, across 43 women's uh, f- female politicians profiles and we found that 90% comments were neutral 6% comments were unwelcoming and 4% uh, were abusive so we are seeing that the progress is happening but with the advent of new digital spaces there is more space for opportunities for women politicians but at the same time i think it's very important for us to see what are the challenges and hindrances that they face while uh, reclaiming these online spaces but nika um, it's interesting what you say because pakistan is really a patriarchal society uh, and and there's and, and it's also men trying to make good obstacles for women to participate but also sometimes women they are very conservative they have sort of bought you know the, the the patriarchal model and they defend it so the question is in your case what did motivated you it was it because in my case for example my mother was always very active and saying women can women can why did you get politically involved in the area that you shows what are their personal connections to an issue when you say correctly we need more women even though we are advanced we have to think on which are the obstacles for those women to be able to get involved so maybe your experience can be very helpful to to look at key issues thank you uh, commissioner i think it's a very important question i feel that my personal is political and um, the challenges that um, i have been facing i feel that i can speak for lots of women who come from a very uh, 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 you know like a lower class lower middle class background the biggest challenge has always been the patriarchal setup of the society for us and uh, to be very honest for me it was uh, for you know like different levels of battles that you fight first in your home then you know when you get permission for education or to to be able to work outside or be part of the work workforce at every step you have to get a permission uh, from your male elders uh, or your male family members not necessarily you know either the father is the elder it's it's like your brother and your male cousins and your brother in law you know like it's it's the whole setup around patriarchy and the male domination in the society but like you said your father was supportive my father although he was an illiterate person but for some reason he was a, such an such a progressive man and he was some someone who actually supported me a lot uh in um fighting back with people you know he actually uh um, cleared the path for me while fighting on the other end with the with the with the society and mostly you know like with the extended family and uh, and and 
providing them rationale that why he is allow allowing his daughters to get an education or going to the uni universities or you know for that matter you know studying with the with the male uh, students um and uh, honestly like people in in our societies are not used to seeing a woman asking for her rights and freedoms and um uh, th there is a huge uh, struggle where i'm standing today um uh, over the course of years but you know there is one example that i would like to mention is you know like the uh, women's marches that are happening all over the world we also have a women march which is called aurat march aurat means woman and uh, these marches were started 3 years ago these marches challenge the stereotypes and status quo and taboos in pakistan and women thousands of women came out on roads and reclaimed their rights and uh, talked about the freedoms and talked about the personal freedoms and demanded them which you know the society were never used to of hearing those from women and that's the way that's that's why the the, the women who have participated the marchers the the who who uh, basically started these marches the the type of hate they get has never like no one has ever seen the, this kind of hate online as time has passed i have been able to interact with male allies who help and i think it's very important for us to identify those male allies however the fight against patriarchy and its effects is one that is only won with time um, and secondly since i work in digital rights my my one challenge has always been censorship and internet control which is you know always against the state against the social media companies you know like, like the big giants and generally in the global south we i have seen that the countries believing that they can control the media and they can attack the internet quite often on top of that uh, i speak openly about things like right to privacy encryption um, which always gets a lot of pushback and backlash and when a woman is talking about all these things that's like you know something that people are like oh why this woman is talking about internet freedom and digital rights because the technology uh, has uh, you know like people always relate technology with men or masculinity but when woman talks about this it's like oh why she's talking about this she doesn't belong to this sector so this is the kind of backlash that i faced in the past but to be very honest i feel that uh, now we have made a huge space for women who are reclaiming the the sector internet freedom digital rights and you know they are in the leadership positions well the, the fact of saying that digital and technology is more linked to women is because unfortunately in many parts of the world is like that uh, when i went to silicon valley uh, i mean i don't remember which one of them uh, 80% of the developers of platforms and systems were uh, white male <laughs> 4% were latinos that of, of them only two were developers probably the other other people who are doing administrative work or cleaning afro descendant was only 2% but of them only 1% was i mean so if we don't include more women all the things that will come up will be so biased isn't it but let me go back to to the march because i read about the arab march and i found that the agenda on the last one on march 2020 it was so incredibly interesting because it was about women's rights it was about environmental rights it was about really i felt that it was great 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 because because i think it was so really uh, so congratulations so let me go to look with this in the following question do you think that it's important that women and girls are engaged in politics do you think uh, do you think that um, 
it's important why. And you, I mean, and I, I just already gave you an example of the match, but if you have any other example you want to share with me as well. Um, yeah, I mean, po politics and politicians are the backbone of a lot of discussions around public policy and legislation. Um, often in the world, this, this discussion is dominated by men, which means they bring their point of view and perspective into the conversation, shunning those who are different from them, be it women and people of trans experiences. Um, and for this basic reason, it is important to have women in politics and be part of uh, those discussions and discourses. If politics remained a male space, legislations and uh, and law uh, uh, laws would have further protected and supported men and patriarchal systems. One example that I would like to talk from Pakistan comes from the time of General Ziaul Haq uh, regime, which is a di dictator's regime, um, and he had written into law that women who are raped must produce three witnesses in court. Otherwise, she'll be punished for sex outside of marriage. And of course, this is an extreme example, but it goes to show how exclusionary and unequal legislation can be when other point of views and voices are not allowed to exist and be part of the discussion. Um, not too many years later, when uh, our former uh, um, late uh, prime minister, uh, the first woman prime minister of, of Pakistan and also the Muslim countries, Benazir Bhutto, took over in Pakistan, we, we established female police stations to accommodate common women who need to go to the police station. So traditionally in Pakistan, police stations uh, have always been male-dominated spaces and women would not feel comfortable uh, registering complaints there. This seemingly simple act by the then Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto gave a lot of women access to law enforcement and enacted women-friendly laws. I mean, this is like one example that goes to show how men legislate and when women uh, come into the leadership position, how they uh, look for diverse voices. Yeah, that's completely true. And it, it experiences in many countries as well. It's very important that women can be part of all the decision making and of course, legislation. And in that sense, of course, when we're talking about participation, we're talking about democracy. So what's the relationship that you see between gender equality and democracy, for example? Because for me, it's clear, but I would love to hear your, your thoughts, like a young leader, a feminist uh, women, please. To boil it down, it is about all people within a country having an equal voice and having an equal vote. Uh, equality is therefore inbuilt in democracy. For democracy to survive, we need equality. A democracy without equality is bound to fail. And also it is bound to anger people. Equality also needs to be in all sectors of society, gender, wealth, education, and most recently, digital spaces. If all people have the same access to education, healthcare, economic opportunities, news, and the internet, then each person is able to make a rational choice about their country, its leaders, and its policies. They're also able to stand up for themselves. They are also able to ask for their rights and they are also able to ensure equality. If there is no equality in either one of these sectors, then people are being silenced and oppressed. Gender equality in Pakistan has always translated to women being deprived of education and economic growth. Uh, they are um, made to feel weak and thus cannot raise their voices for, the, for their rights and freedoms. If half the population is weak, then how we can have a democracy? 
the same goes for digital equality during covid-19 when the world moved on to digital spaces we have seen regions in our country being deprived of education because they are deprived of internet these people are unaware of the changes around them and unaware of the uh, world uh, and its rapid changes how are these people expected to raise their voices and gain support they have been cut off and there is no communication in the region uh, and you know like men still finds uh, uh, and catches mobile network signals while walking up to the mountains because they are allowed to go out and they can reclaim public spaces women in those far flung areas are not allowed to reclaim public spaces hence they are completely deprived of communication and i believe this too weakens a democracy especially in the uh, digital era yeah it's very important what you mentioned that also it linked to how because what what covid-19 has laid bare is inequalities lots of inequalities in terms of access to education access to health um access to clean water and so on. we tell people wash your hands but they don't have clean water so a lot of inequalities that shows that we were not prepared for a pandemic like this and that if we need to come after we need to build back better and one issue is education of course yeah we have you have mentioned a couple of times and i think it's key key but the other thing of course is access to digital uh, Uh, spaces but also to internet access to internet for all should be because for example i think there is a billion children out of schools and from them the millions of them will continue the education so there there will be a generation that will lose a lot if we cannot uh, work harder on this so you have spoken to me about challenges that you have faced that huh? obstacles <laughs> harassment threats um um what do you see have you seen work to increase the number of women in political leadership and advocacy what do you think is work first you said education is uh, is there any other thing other recommendation that you would give to women's organization how you can include more women participating i uh, personally feel that uh, women stepping out as a, as civil society uh, has definitely helped the cause for women in politics and the biggest motivator for women to gain the public arena is to see other women to be there too um i a societal mindset does not change overnight it changes with time and uh, i personally feel that women supporting other women especially the women in a powerful position the women who are in a privileged position if uh, you know they can make a way and space for the women to be there in the same position i think it's a way to go um it's a very small example and uh, a little sort of uh, flattering to talk about my own organization but one uh, small example that um, because i had to hear a lot that uh, technology doesn't belong belong to women uh, in back in um, uh, late 2000 uh, 2009 2010 um, and uh, i think i had a, had this difficulty to reclaim this space of digital rights because there were so many men and it was male dominated and my first aim was to create a space where i can bring more women instead of just myself and i'm so proud to say that my organization is it's a small organization uh, but uh, working on digital rights we have uh, 70% women in the organization 
and all those women are in the leadership position uh, they actually go and speak on in different nas international national conferences uh, they talk about the work that we do but at the same time they are also the ones who sit in the parliamentary committees and talk with the policy makers it's not just always me and i think it's important to um uh give you know this space to the other woman uh and uh share the mic share the space and i think that's that's more important where uh when you are in a powerful position sometimes you forget that uh you have to bring other people into this space as well and i think this is very important that when you have this privilege you share this privilege with other women and help them uh reclaiming this space as well no matter what space it is be it politics uh you know any any specialized field for me it's digital rights and uh this always work and i think the sisterhood and solidarity uh within uh, our feminist movements our collectives our um, you know uh, women's rights organization uh it should translate into an action we shouldn't just keep talking about sisterhood and uh, we call in in urdu we call it behanchara um and you know the the solidarity that we show to each other i think we should uh, uh, show it in our actions as well Well, it's it, it's fantastic because I come from Latin America, you come from Pakistan, and I could not agree more with you. And I think you're mentioning very very important issue. On one hand, role models, because those women who are already in high positions, they can be a role model for younger ones. They can mentor uh, younger ones as well. I like in business as well. I mean, small businesses that can help each other. Solidarity, great concept, of course. And one of the things that I've always said. and maybe i'm wrong but until now i still believe it is that we women uh there are i've met very competitive women that exclude others but the majority include because they have been excluded and discriminated for so long we all understand that it's better all together to as you say share the mic because i think that's very important and for us it's easier sometimes um and the other thing that i think is great when you mention is that Uh, bringing more women in a, in a, in an area that has been traditionally in your country and in many others a male issue it's also important because it's also linked to this idea of putting women not only in the care society but also on those areas like the stem science technology engineering mathematics digital because on the other hand women who only work on the other area usually have worst paid uh, paid jobs and, and less opportunities so it, it empowers them in all ways so really i think your work is fantastic i'm really proud of being having the opportunity to interview you i'm a techno dinosaur because i'm old but i try to learn with all the technology as possible what are you more optimistic about looking looking forward living in in a country where you know like every day is a challenge every day brings uh you know threats to the uh, sane and bold voices uh especially when they are women and they are bold and they have opinions uh, uh but i'm optimistic because i'm seeing this uh you know new generation of women who are strong who are bold who see that the uh, the tide of this society is against them at the moment but at the same time they are just ready to take up all these challenges they are ready to fight back um, no matter how much hate they receive online and offline they are just ready to reclaim that space and i see that is a uh, 
you know, uh, the, the, the stark difference that I see when I was uh, young and I was uh, studying in university and college, I haven't seen that space. I haven't seen that kind of spark and that kind of passion. Uh, I mean, of course, we were passionate, but in, you know, more, uh, uh, what should I call it, like in, 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 in more conservative and traditional way. Uh, but now women are just challenging uh, stereotypes and status quo and taboos and uh, the way they fight back uh, in different fields. I feel um, uh, this is something that uh, shows me the uh, uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, no matter how much I see uh, the uh, societies ha have become more pluralist and you know the extreme the right wing has become more uh, extreme uh, and you know like uh, bring sort of more threats and challenges uh, in the ways of you know progressive women uh, voices at the same time i see that the the fighting back is also becoming extreme and uh, you know the the more they fight the more they find power and you know and that's why i see these small little movements that we are seeing growing in our society the women marches the orat marches the feminist collective the women action forum you know like these are all bringing these uh, amazing voices out there and i mean that's basically something that uh, uh, encourages me and i feel that you know the the, the young, younger generation is just getting ready to reclaim this society to reclaim the play, place in the politics to reclaim you know the digital right i mean whatever the field that we talk about and that excites me uh, um, so much i'm so i'm very excited for these younger women these young feminists who are actually uh, taking up a lot of space in a lot of um, uh, untraditional non-formal areas uh, that we have never thought in our young age that uh, we will do something like this um, in in a conservative uh, patriarchal society please don't say again in my young ages because i feel like I, like i'm dead already <laughs> no but, but but you know what it's very interesting also because young people are really enthusiastic about digital issues huh I mean, yes, people yes. at schools, young people love to study computer science and so on. So it's something that brings together because one of the things that I've been thinking on, how do I include more people on the human rights uh, causes? I think uh, that technology, digital issues, environment uh, rights and technological rights are a very interesting way as well first because they're important because they're frontier issues we need to deal with but also because i think there's things that moves young people and of course to women but may i ask you something that might not be in the in the in the in the guidelines but what what i my, my question is we need to advance women to put a very strong movement of women but we also need some men on board because we need allies so uh, I guess you were telling me that in your foundation, 70% are women. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you this, even though I've been always more involved in women's rights, but I realized that if you push, 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 but you're alone in this, it might be complicated. We could have a backlash. So, um, and that's more difficult in your society because it's a very patriarchal society, very conservative in terms of the roles of men and women. But I guess, uh, I don't know if in your movements when you do this march, because one of the interesting things in my country, for example, when there was these uh, marches on uh, Me Too, for example, huh? 
against harassment, sexual harassment, there were always young guys also demonstrating. I mean, they were also like uh, men and women are against sexual harassment. You, I know you have a very interesting campaign against sexual violence on women on internet as well. So could you share with me how, what are you, I mean, if you have some initiative on that regard or, or what are your thoughts? Coming to your first uh, sort of uh question about uh, male allyship. Uh, I mean, uh, we are all for uh, ally, al allies, and uh, but I think uh, it's also important for me to, uh, to carefully see how much space these allies also reclaim, you know, uh, and how much is this a performative allyship? Um, and I think, uh, uh, you know, like for me, it's very important to create the space first for women where they feel that they are comfortable raising issues. They feel that this, this space belongs to them. Um, to be very honest, I feel we as much as we need uh, diverse uh, allies in our movements, I also feel it's also important for us to make those spaces safer and uh, uh, comfortable for women first and also trans voices and also queer people. Um, and uh, but at the same time, there uh, the men are uh, allowed in the women marches in Pakistan, but not to uh, um, you know um, uh, hijack the space. And I think that's very important that they leave that space. Uh, stay silent and hear what women are saying. I think that's the first thing that we really need to ask men to quietly listen what women are saying. They can come to these spaces, but they can also not to hijack those spaces because we are already male-dominated society. And the second thing is that there are initiatives around uh, uh, combating sexual harassment issues. It's interesting that how the Me Too emerged in Pakistan, but at the same time, as I mentioned, the, the draconian laws that that were enacted uh, in the uh, dictator during the era of dictators. Uh, but at the same time, different democracies uh, enacted really problematic laws for women. Um, and one of them is criminal defamation in Pakistan, where anyone who says anything, especially women talking about the sexual harassment experiences online, the first thing that they have to face is the criminal defamation and the, and the civil defamation. And I think these are the challenges that the women are facing. At the same time, we initiated one uh, volunteer um, uh, uh, sort of uh, campaign. It's called time's up uh, and in pakistan it's called ab or nahi and the initi initiative uh, was meant to call all male and women lawyers who can support uh, uh, pro bono uh, uh, legal support give pro bono legal support to the women's victims of gender based violence so these are the kind of initiatives that i'm seeing emerging in pakistan but also setting really good precedent where you don't always need donation and funding but you know the young people coming with passion really want to support victims and survivors and want to provide the space safe space where they can raise their voice and their voices are not being shunned well i understand you completely because even though theoretically we need men on board of course because we need the whole society to evolve not only women evolving and finding but you're right because i remember when i was in egypt after the you know the so-called uh, 
the um, uh, spring revolution. And then I had meetings with girls because I was the director of UN Women. So I had meetings with women, with girls. And the complaint of the girls was in Tahir Square, they were all together. And after that ended, when they had to write their constitution and they wanted to put women's rights, the answer will say, it's not your time now. Now it's time for democracy, not for women's rights. So it's true. I mean, on one hand, they tend to lead the movement and then put its own concerns. But, but anyway, we need to build partnerships, huh? uh, not to lead the movement, but to build partnership in terms of other people in parliament, for example, pushing on the same direction, in political parties that can be more open-minded in the same direction. But I understand that uh, the, the risk of someone to try to put its own agenda and forget the agenda of women, of course, you have to be careful on that. And also because, as you say, also in a patriarchal society like yours, probably some women don't feel safe in a place where they don't know if those men will be really allies or not, and they prefer to be among people they can really speak out and so on and feel comfortable. Uh, but in the long term, we need everyone to ensure gender equality, women's empowerment, because that's the, the only way. But of course, I understand what you say. Is there any other thing, Nika, that you want to share with us on your experience? So for example, um, you know, it's not easy to do this. It, 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 it brings great joys when things we have good outcomes, but there are moments that are difficult, that can be sad. So um, what have you, the pluses and the mis misuses been for you and for your family, if you want to share that with us? Great, uh, uh, you know, like power comes with great responsibility. And um, I, I think the more bold, uh, choices you make in your life, especially when you are living in a society that uh, that usually do not support those voices, you uh, attract a lot of uh, threats and uh, challenges and uh, um, a, a, a sort of unexpected situations. Uh, so uh, yes, for me, uh, there are like several challenges, uh, of course, but I feel that um, uh, the, the kind of threats that I face online, especially, it has uh, strengthened me in a way that I looked into the strategies and situations that how I can deal with this. And, uh, and then I saw that it's not just me, any woman who is more bold and vocal and um, has opinions, uh, they uh, are being threatened with the, with the same kind of uh, uh, challenges online. And, uh, and that sort of uh, helped me thinking the collective solution to this because uh, the online harassment or online abuse and hate speech against women or marginalized uh, communities or diverse voices, I feel there should be a collective thought towards it. And uh, and yeah, so that's something that helped me thinking about different strategies, thinking about different solutions, talking to other women, talking to the companies, talking to the policymakers, governments, you know. And uh, although uh, I faced lots of threats, but I think at the same time, those threats sort of kind of worked for me as opportunities as well for the larger uh, good and larger community. Um, but at the same time, I, I also strongly feel that uh, all of us now really need to look into the digital uh, and online spaces uh, as an integral part of our lives. It shouldn't 
come as a work as something that is uh, in isolation it should be it's it's an inter intersectional thing online liberties are as equal as offline liberties and uh, this is something that our UNSRs uh, David Kai and others have said multiple times and all of us have to work together in no matter where we are, wherever we are because the kind of trends that we are seeing uh, especially coming from uh, uh the the powerful uh, governments the uh, controlling governments the repressive regimes those trends are to control these spaces those trends are to control the voices of minorities the voices of diverse uh, communities uh, sexual minorities women and i call women marginalized communities because no matter even if we are half uh, half of this population pakistan's population we are still marginalized because we are treated in the same way the way people treat minorities or religious minorities or others so uh, i think we all really need to work together uh, towards this goal because uh, during covid we have seen that the usual inequalities in the society have translated into the offline online spaces as well and uh, if we won't look into this now i don't see uh, you know we will be working towards a more equal uh, societies and democracies if we'll keep looking into the digital spaces as isolated ones it's always been important but after the covid pandemic it's more clear that the importance and and the role it plays in well as social media has the good things and the bad things i mean you can democratize information but of course it can be used for uh for hate speech and uh, and fake news and so on but but anyway i think it's a good thing i think it's a democratic thing and and i think it's a very important the role that it can play in also shaping perceptions ideas in bringing information to the people that can help when you you are able to advance in an important issue like the ones you are doing in terms of women's rights in terms of uh, fighting inequalities and so on and of course there are people who are the ones who like business as usual they don't want to change things they want to maintain certain uh, pieces of power discrimination and so on they're going to say but it's not only in pakistan do you know that in the european union 40 or 45% of the parliamentarians receive terrible threats through online sexual violence uh, threats of rape uh, and, and violence in general so i mean you would think in europe i mean people will not react that way but they also react that way so so i think it's the, but that's why i'm convinced because i'm a pediatrician it's always difficult for us but we won't won't give up isn't it nikad uh, i'm sure you're not giving up and all those threats makes you not only think as you say but also to have more interest in continue fighting because probably when you read those things that maybe said terrible things you say things like this enough is enough if i may say huh? so well okay. let me tell you that um, thank you niga this is a great pleasure thank you so much uh, i don't know if you want to say a final thing i i only want to say one thing that uh, if you are someone who is fighting for equality and you you feel that you are your your voice is being shunned please know that uh, you are actually changing the status quo
And that's why people are threatened. And that's why the society is threatened because they don't want to be changed. And you are the changing voice. Thank you so much. And maybe we should also tell those women, you are not alone. We're all here for you. <laughs> Many women trying to do their best, isn't it? As you are doing, Kat. So it's a great pleasure. Good luck. Thank you so much, ma'am, for Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. To learn more about the series and NDI's initiative, please go to NDI's website at ndi.org.